Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Is uh, classically trained as a nurse. Some of you may or may not know that. She's not currently working in that capacity, but one of the jobs that she had uh, is that she uh, worked in a wound clinic. Now, the wound clinic is the place where you go when, um, when your wounds are either infected or maybe after you've had surgery or skin grafts, those kinds of things. Um, not to be rude, but it's nasty, right? Like it's just, it's, it's gross. If you've ever had the opportunity, the unfortunate opportunity to be in those places, it's not fun, right? Because the wounds themselves are are gross, right? They just have to be maintained and kept clean, and bacteria gets in there, and the bigger they are, the deeper they are, the more problems that become, and so you have to go in regularly, and the nurses help you out and clean it, and Melissa loved it. She loved it so much, so much so that we had to have a rule at our house that I could not ask my wife how her day was until we were through with dinner. Because if I asked her how her day was, it would go into a big, long story that makes me just queasy thinking about it, right? But she was fascinated. She loved the idea that the, that the human body could repair itself and that she could introduce chemicals and elements to stabilize it, that she could remove the bacteria and help people get along towards health, right? Because we all know that, that our bodies aren't meant to walk around with like open, oozing, gaping sores, right? Like if I were up on stage and I had a, a cut on my arm, so bad that it was bleeding or that my skin was flayed open, you would all say, hey, you should go get that checked out, right? Like, A, you're making a mess. B, it's gross. C, if you don't do something about it, right, you could get an infection. And if an infection gets in there, you could cause serious permanent damage, right? Like, you could have to lose an arm in some cases. You could have permanent damage to your skin. And if I came back the next week and that wound was still open, but now it was a little bit discolored, maybe it was yellowish or greenish or blackish, right? I actually brought some pictures that we're going to, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm not even putting that Google search in. No, thank you. But you would say, that's infected, right? You have a problem. You need to go see a doctor because that infection can't stay there. It needs to be cleaned. It needs to be uh, cleaned out. You need some antibacterial. You need help to get that thing cleaned up. We all know this when it comes to physical wounds. The, the reality is, though, that oftentimes many of us are walking around with huge gaping wounds on the inside of ourselves. Perhaps we could call them spiritual wounds. They're unseen. They're harder to diagnose. And while a physical wound you can see and you would address and you would be able to say, I know where to go to fix that, often the times are that we don't see these spiritual wounds for what they are. We excuse them as poor behavior or somebody who didn't know well. And then in the midst of that conversation, even if we were to say this is a problem and we need to diagnose it, we don't know where to turn with these area of woundedness in our lives. So we're in week four of a series that we're calling Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We're taking it from a book with the same title, and we're trying to use this image of an iceberg to, to challenge us, right, that our spirituality, that following Jesus, that our faith is more than just the 10% that skims above the surface. It's more than our behaviors. It's more than the things that we say, the actions that we take, but our whole spirit, our whole soul is just like an iceberg. There's 90% of it that is hidden beneath 
beneath the surface. And what we've been saying is that there are certain actions that we want to take and that God wants to come into all of those areas, transform us from the inside out. So a couple weeks ago, we looked at what does loving well look like? We had Jesus as our model of incarnation, of stepping in, walking across the fence rather than throwing things across. And when we begin to understand what somebody else's experience is like, when we listen to them honestly, we can actually begin to hear and understand them and love them at the point where they're at, right? Then last week, we talked about how when in order to grow forward, we need to be aware of ourselves, that personal growth starts with personal awareness. And to cultivate that time of personal awareness, we said, hey, you need to, you need to stop, you need to slow down, you need to take a personal inventory, take times of silence and solitude. And I challenged you to find some time this week. But this week, we're going to move forward, kind of building off of that idea. And there was a quote in the book this week. We're going to talk about breaking the power of the past, those past areas of pain or hurt in our lives, and how in order to grow forward, in order to grow in our emotional maturity and our spiritual maturity, we actually have to go back and clean up some of these areas of our brokenness, of our woundedness. Here's the quote that really stuck out with me from the book this week. It says, because so few people do the hard work of going back to go forward, the symptoms of a disconnected spirituality are everywhere. The compartmentalization of our spirituality from the rest of our lives becomes necessary because there is so little integration. What he's saying is that because we don't take this time to to go back, to dig into areas of pain, because we want to sweep it under the rug, it's no wonder that our spirituality is segmented to perhaps an hour on Sunday or just when we're praying or just when we remember to read our Bible. But the reality is that we are all spiritual beings and 100% of our experiences are themselves spiritual experiences. Often those realities are broken by wounds or separateness, and so we kind of go Go through life just on the surface when there's a depth and a beauty to reality that extends far below what we can see on the surface. Now, last week I gave you a little assignment, right? Set aside some intentional time, silence, solitude, begin asking the why questions. How many of you took time to do that this week? couple hands. You don't have to raise your hands if you didn't. That's okay. I just want to let you know that we're going to build off kind of that idea that as you do this practice regularly, maybe you did it, maybe you will do it, maybe you're trying to incorporate it into a habit that you might come across certain repeatable patterns as you begin to do it. There may be themes that arise. If you kept a journal, maybe you would see this, that time and time again, things continually come up that are kind of in the same vein, that sound similar, right? For instance, you might notice as you take time to look into yourself and maybe diagnose some of the issues that you find out that you are constantly looking for validation from others. You can see it in your current behavior at work. You can see it at home or with extended family. And the more time that you spend digging into that idea, that issue, you may recall that this was true of you even from earlier on, maybe when you were in relationships in college or high school, boyfriends, girlfriends, maybe even down to some of your earliest childhood memories. And no matter how many times you become aware of 
it. It's always kind of there, this seeking for approval or validation. Maybe it's achievement for you. Maybe you just like to win, to succeed at home, at work, with children, right? Hard work, achieving goals is what you're all about. You may even get the sense that if you ever stopped that you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. And so you just always push. You always keep going in relationships, in school, in sports. And the deeper questions of why that you ask, the deeper those themes of achieving continue to pop up. Maybe issues of substance for you, alcohol or drugs or activities, gambling, video games or sexuality. It may be something that you've prayed about time and time again for the Holy Spirit to remove from you. It may be something that you've talked with a counselor or pastor about, something that you hoped would be better by now and you're wondering why God doesn't just seem to fix this painful area of your life, this recurring theme that you keep running into. Right. For me, I can be honest, I've talked about this before, that for me it was pornography, that there was a time and season in my life where I just couldn't break free of that habit. I thought going to church more would fix it, and it just didn't. I thought, well, now I'm studying to be a pastor. Surely God will just take this desire, this habitual sin away from me. It didn't happen. I thought, I'll get married, and that'll fix all of my problems, which you all know to be true, right? didn't fix it. Praying didn't fix it. Praying in the Spirit didn't fix it. No matter what, I just kept running into this painful wound that was an open wound in my soul, in my spirit. It was infected. It was oozing. It was gross. And I, more than anything, wanted it to be healed. I wanted it out of my life, and I just couldn't find the right prayer to pray, the right person to talk to, the right set of habits to engage in. And it just kept coming up over and over again. I wonder if you can relate in some capacity in your own life to recurring themes, to areas that if you quiet yourself long enough, you find yourself running in similar streams along similar threads, having similar problems. And no matter how many times God reveals it to you, no matter how many times it's brought up to you, you just seem stuck. You just can't seem to be staying there, right? It's in those places that we want to talk about today and we're going to talk about for the rest of this series because my foundational belief is that Jesus wants to be in those areas of our lives, that he wants to bring holy, healing and wholeness and he wants to come into those areas with the fullness of his presence to clean them out and to put us back in the way that he meant us to be. But in order to heal those wounded places of our soul, we, we have to go back in order for us to grow any further forward. In order to be healthy, we have to clean out old wounds. In order for us to be healthy, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. In order for us to be healthy, we have to go back and we have to spend time with those areas of pain, those areas where pain has kind of lived with us, those recurring areas, and we have to clean them out. So let's define our terms a little bit here to get started. What do we mean by a wound? A spiritual wound is a place of unhealed, unresolved pain. Right? It's not healed yet. It may be glossed over. It may be a limp that you're just used to walking with. Uh, these areas, uh, some of these examples are areas that may be described as an open wound. Or it may be uh, like a child playing with a scab. You remember how either when you were a kid or your kids, right, always are just picking, picking, picking. They keep re-aggravating it. Something keeps bumping into the scab and it never quite heals. It just kind of stays open and stays open. These are areas that we can relate to in our physical bodies, but they're their spirit spiritually as well. Things never quite healed over and they tend to just keep bleeding 
all over the place, right? Now, in an open wound on our body, we recognize. We know to go to the doctor. We know what to do with those. But when it comes down to our spirits to diagnose those things, we have to be doing what we're talking about. We have to slow down. We have to stop. We have to take a self-inventory. We have to look into our behaviors and actions. We have to be able to rightly ascertain what's going on beneath the surface. Now, spiritual wounds are just as real as physical wounds. And just like physical wounds, we all have them, right? We've all stubbed our toe. You've all cut yourself and needed a Band-Aid. And just as we've all had physical wounds in our bodies, we all have, either currently or in the past, have had spiritual wounds. No one is immune. No one is, is, uh, is absent from this trial. You're not broken if you have one. We all have areas of woundedness or brokenness. But again, if your wound on your physical body weren't healing and were there for days, weeks, months, years, if you had the same bleeding cut since childhood, you would probably go to a doctor to get that checked out. But oftentimes our spiritual wounds go undiagnosed and unchecked for years. So what causes these wounds? Where do they come from? Why are they there? These recurring unhealed places of pain. Honestly, the cause can literally be just about anything, right? Spiritual wounds can come from anywhere. Just as you can get injured shoveling snow yesterday, my back hurts a little bit, or moving boxes, you can get spiritual wounds from any place, right? Often, though, they're from seasons of trauma, from seasons of hardships, and they're things that make a spiritual impact on you. It could be as small and as insignificant as being picked last on the playground, or it could be bullying, or it could be parents separating, it could be moving during foundational periods of your life, or even larger traumas like deaths or separations or abandonments. Literally, spiritual wounds can come from any source at any time. The only rule of thumb is that they were significant enough to cause an injury and that they weren't properly healed. A major source that he addresses in the book is that wounds can come from our families, from those people closest to us. In Exodus 20, in the Ten Commandments themselves, God talks about the fact that sins are carried forward in our families up to the third and fourth generations, which means that some of the woundedness that we have, some of the baggage that we carry comes to us from the people and places and homes that we were raised in. They have a spiritual connection with our family tree. Now, if that's too mystical for you, don't worry. Science backs it up, right? Addictions run in the family. Stress levels run in the family. People-pleasing runs in the family. Scientific studies confirm something that God said over 4,000 years ago, that often who we are and who we become is a direct impact of the families that we were raised in. In our formative years, we learn about the rules. We learn about the, the world and the way that it works, and we find our place in it. And in our families, we pass along adages and beliefs. They can be in simple, innocuous forms, like just simply the conversations that we have or that we don't have, right? For instance, was your family warm or cold? Right, relationship-wise, were you close with everybody in your family, or were there people who were distant and separated? Right, when you were eating, would you eat dinner together? How often? What subjects were not allowed at the dinner table? What was specifically allowed? 
What was your parents' relationship like? How about their parents? What were the expectations of kids at family times? Were they supposed to be seen and not heard, or were they the focus? You can go through a laundry list of just diagnosing the homes in which you came from. And if you're married, you can do this with a spouse and begin to learn some of the differences and go, oh, this is why I get so mad when this happens, or this is why we don't understand each other, because in my family, this is what love looked like, or this is how my parents acted, or this is the expectation for us as children and your spouse's family, it may be the complete opposite, right? So much, mo- so much of our core beliefs about the world and who we are in it are formed from these family relationships. Melissa and I often say it in this way. We say that it's heartbreaking to watch our own brokenness played out in the lives of our children, right? It's heartbreaking to watch our brokenness played out in the lives of our children. Here's what we mean by that. Liam is a little bit like me. Right? He wants to please people. He wants people to like him. And he doesn't quite know how to exert his desires in conversations with his friends. He's also very literal and very black and white. So if someone does something that he views as wrong, he has a hard time processing through that. And he gets stuck between wanting his friends to like him and his strong convictions. Right? I remember as a child crying over conversations about going to a sleepover or not. And I see a piece of that brokenness that's played out in his life. They're feelings that I'm familiar with that I see him walking through. Asher, by contrast, is fun-loving, which means that getting tasks done can be hard, right? Melissa and Asher will laugh and giggle for hours, and they will have a great time and make a gigantic mess. And we... I get frustrated, right? I want the mess cleaned up, but the mess cleanup isn't the fun part. And so Asher often gets in trouble for having way too much fun and not having the discipline to clean up after himself. And if Melissa were up here, she would say, I see, I see my brokenness, that fun-loving spirit that I have tied with a lack of ability to maybe get the hard stuff done. I see my brokenness played out. It's on full display in the life of her child, right? Spiritual wounds can have any source, but a great place to start looking is in our family tree, looking at patterns and behaviors and learned lessons of how those are present in our life today, whether that means that we behave in the exact same way, that we do the same things that our family did, or whether we've rebelled and gone the opposite direction and say, we're not going to do that at all, and so we avoid the things that were in our childhood because we're trying to build something better. Make no mistake that the wounds of our past have an effect on our present reality. So what do we do with these places of wounding, of recurring pain? How can we bring healing and wholeness to them? When Melissa worked as a nurse, she would tell stories about debriding wounds, which I'm told is incredibly painful, but absolutely necessary, right? When a wound doesn't heal or when it gets infected, they would have to go in and they would have to reopen it, right? Incredibly painful, but they would have to clean the diseased area and then allow the new skin to form as best it could and then protect it to give it a safe place to heal, right? Thinking about it is enough to make me queasy right now. 
But her goal was to get the patient's wound healthy. And if left unchecked, that infection would continue to spread. It would continue to go deeper. It would cause more damage. And so as painful as it might be, she had to go in and clean out and debride those wounds. The, the, same, the same idea plays into these areas of spiritual woundedness. We have to walk into these places of pain to bring healing into them. And often that can be painful. But without doing it, we risk the infection staying put, going deeper, and causing more harm, right? So step one, what does this look like? We have to expose those areas of woundedness, right? Bacteria infection thrives in areas of darkness. It wants to get into a deep, dark corner where it can just multiply and multiply. Sin and woundedness is the same. When we bring our areas of pain and brokenness into the light, we don't allow them to be hidden. We force ourselves to deal with the problem head on, right? We talked a little bit about this last week, that spiritual growth and spiritual awareness takes the first step of that awareness of being known. The first step towards healing in any area of woundedness is taking the time to become aware that it is there. A, that I have a wound. Where did this come from? And B, what caused it? What are the sources of pain? Why is this present in my life? Why hasn't it healed yet? How do you do that? Silence, prayer, journaling, meditating, slowing down long enough to reflect on your actions, right? What is happening around me that is causing me to feel and react this way? Why am I anxious? Why am I angry? Why am I upset? Why am I emotionally shutting down and pulling back? Why do I feel this need to overshare with a person that I just met? Once you're aware of a problem or a wound, we can address it head on. 1 John 1.9 says it this way, that if we confess our sins for our thought process today, substitute your brokenness, your awareness of those wounds, if we confess those areas of woundedness, that he's faithful and just, that he'll forgive us and purify us. Other translations use the word cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Awareness and confession of those wounds, inviting someone in, is what allows the space for Jesus to come in and begin cleansing cleaning out our woundedness. That's step two. Invite Jesus to cleanse it. Invite him into those areas where perhaps bacteria or infection are reigning, right? In wound care, you often need an, an agent. You need a, an antibacterial thing to, to creep in there and to kill the bad bacteria. So if we have an unhealed wound, chances are that it's infected, that because of our pain in one area, we've built up systems and structures to protect ourselves from walking into those painful areas. We've learned habits and patterns to avoid causing pain on that wound, right? We won't let people in because they might find out. We don't talk about that season of life because it was just too painful. We never fully trust people because someone broke our trust and we never quite recovered from it. Someone hurt us and now everyone is out to get us or will let us down at some point. And the list goes on and on. Just as an open wound is easy target for bacteria, a spiritual wound is an easy target for lies and half-truths, for false beliefs about the world and about ourself to take hold. We would go so far as to say that these areas of woundedness are breeding grounds for spiritual oppression that are working against the healing that Jesus wants to bring us in our lives. Whether or not you're comfortable with the term uh, demonic inforce influences or not, we all like the term angels, but the other one makes us more uncomfortable. The reality is that angels 
Or the reality is that within a wound that's been exposed that long, that there's something blocking healing and wholeness from coming in. That there is a spiritual oppression that is in that place that is keeping healing from coming. Things that are contrary to the wholeness that Jesus wants to bring. This is why it isn't healed. This is why you keep trying to break free. This is why it's a habitual sin. It's why the pain keeps coming back. It's why people keep hurting or betraying or letting you down. It's because we've learned coping skills to avoid the pain. We build up thoughts and habits and routines around dealing with this giant open wound that's bleeding all over the place, and we can't figure out how to stop it. It's because bacteria, spiritual oppression, has gotten in there. Thought processes, lies, ideas like abandonment, fear, anxiety, control, lust, affliction, abuse, the list goes on and on, and it won't let it heal. If you hear nothing else today, here's the one thing that I want to say. Jesus wants to heal you. Psalm 147 says this, that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wound. But in order to heal those areas, it first has to be cleaned. It needs to be, the breeding needs to happen, which is painful and it takes a long time. For our physical bodies, it can take weeks or months of going in weekly or bi-weekly or semi-weekly to be able to clean out and heal those areas. How much longer for wounds that we've carried around inside of us for years? It takes discipline and focus and Jesus wants you to be healed, but you have to let the pain do its work right? And it stings. Do you remember when your mom tried to put hydrogen peroxide on your knee when you skinned it, right? I still to this day won't let Melissa do that, right? I don't like it. It stings, it bubbles. Not having that, I'll take my chances with the infection. Same deal, right? Jesus comes in and there's a pain associated with the cleaning. How much more pain is a wound in your heart and a spirit to heal than simply a skinned knee? There has to, the pain is involved with the cleaning out of the wound. And if we're going to be healthy, we have to clean out the wounds of our past. And Jesus is the one to do it. Inviting him in, bringing him into those places. So we expose those areas of our brokenness. We invite Jesus in. We walk through the pain of those wounds, why they're there, what caused them, and how we can bring Jesus in to heal them. Step three is that we have to foster a healing environment for them. We have to foster a place where bacteria doesn't get back in. Once they're cleaned out, we have to preserve and maintain that environment, right? In medicine, they literally put a barrier over it to keep the bacteria from invading the wound site, right? In ancient times, they had a similar practice. They used honey, which served as a, preser- as a preservant, preserverant, whatever the word is, preservant, um, and they would cover it over the wound, which would keep the bacteria out, which is why I think this scripture is so amazing. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. This is the psalmist. And while we think that scripture is sweet, that it's great to take down, the sweetness of scripture of the honey of God also serves as a protecting barrier. Meditating in truth, filling our minds with good thoughts, uh, dishevels the lies that we have. We protect and maintain a clean environment by washing ourselves with the Word, by keeping in tune with God's presence. And the truth displaces the lies that infect our wound, and we get to maintain it through all of these areas of going, right? Remember that the goal is health. 
It's always health. That's what Jesus is after. That's what you're after. That's what I'm after. So if the goal is healthy spirituality, if the goal is health in our souls, then in order to do that, we have to open up those wounded areas, invite Jesus in, and then fight to keep it clean. If you have open and exposed areas, it doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. It just means that you have more healing that Jesus wants to do. And we all have areas of brokenness in our lives. But the work to clean those places out is painful. It's going to hurt, and there won't be a one-time prayer, a quick fix thing, and you'll need someone to help you clean it out and to medicate it. But all of that cleansing and healing and debriding of our souls will produce a healthy wholeness in our lives and a resilience and a love for God. Because to go forward, we have to get spiritually healthy. We have to go back to clean up these areas of woundedness so that going forward, we can be whole and healthy. I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to pray here quickly. And I want to just give you a moment to perhaps reflect on something within that for yourself. Maybe when we were talking about wounded areas, the Spirit touched something for you and you knew what He was addressing. A word came to mind, a thought came to mind, a a story came to mind, a memory of the past came to mind. You might be getting the sense that that's an area of woundedness that Jesus would very much like to heal. I just ask that you'd close your eyes and bow your heads and that you would just invite Jesus into that space. Maybe it's bigger than you can do right now, but you can at least make an appointment to go, okay, God, I, I feel you. I hear you talking about this area. Now, what am I supposed to do with it? Why is that wound there? Why is that pain there? Why is this unresolved? And Jesus, how might you want to bring it about to wholeness and completion and fullness? Maybe there's an area within there that he recognizes is going to be painful. You might have to have a conversation to make an apology, to offer forgiveness. You might have to just dig into memories that you've long since forgotten, but you get the sense that to go forward, it takes going backward. It takes a healing and a cleansing moment. I just want to give you that space to listen to to answer it and we're going to sing one more song and maybe you need to stand and worship maybe you need to sit and reflect maybe you need to write out or journal whatever the spirit is speaking to you about but the invitation is toward healing and wholeness in every area of your life as deep as your soul is that's as deep as Jesus wants to bring healing and restoration to you but to do that you've got to make an appointment you've got to do some work you've got to expose those areas to people and to light that can help you've got to allow Jesus in and to let him do the painful things of cleaning it out and you've got to maintain a a bacteria free environment and so whichever pieces of those are resonating with you today I would just encourage you to take the time to in this moment or in moments during this week to carve out a space to deal with those areas of brokenness and wounding. Jesus wants to bring healing and wholeness. It's available to you, but it takes some work and it takes some pain. Jesus, would you give us the the perspective to see the areas in which you're calling us toward healing and health and wholeness? God, would you give us the opportunity to see and experience the places where we're still wounded that you want to bring your presence into. God, would you give us the courage to walk boldly into those places, to usher in your healing and to walk forward in new light and a new perspective. Heavenly Father, we trust you with all of these areas of our lives. We invite you in and we give you space now to do your work. 
All God's kids said. Thank you.